Welcome to Drive Time, our UCLA Anderson Fully Employed MBA podcast. I'm Dylan Stafford, an assistant dean and your host. We want you to meet some of the great women and men of FEMBA, to share in their success, and to give you an inside look at UCLA. Today's interview is extra special. Adjunct Professor and Associate Dean Gonzalo Frasius is a true hero to FEMBA. He's dedicated some of the best years of his career to teaching, to building our global immersions, to launching FEMBA Flex, to leading in the Global Access Program, and as you'll hear in the podcast, in participating in 30 international courses around the world. Enjoy this behind-the-scenes interview with one of the true high-impact leaders of UCLA Anderson. Learn about his family's journey to the United States, starting as political refugees with all their worldly belongings in one suitcase. And in this tribute to the power of education, you'll hear how Gonzalo has found a lifetime passion in education and has paid it forward to literally thousands of UCLA alumni and students. If you're attending Femba Palooza 5 this year, Professor Frasius will be hosting a Learning on the Lawn module, speaking on Taking Your Business International. If you're an entering Femba student, you'll want to watch Professor Frasius's recording or live session of Deducting Your MBA, where you'll make sure to receive the full tax-deductible benefit of Femba. For everyone, please enjoy this podcast interview with Adjunct Professor and Associate Dean Gonzalo Frasius. So that's by way of formal introduction. Personally, Gonzalo, as I get to call him because I have worked with him for over a decade, has been my boss, and he's one of the highest energy executives I've ever had a chance to work with. And as we prepared this session, we were going to title this Living the American Dream because Gonzalo has really had an amazing life in addition to being a prominent faculty member, administrator, and, and teacher here at UCLA Anderson. So by way of handing over the microphone, let me let you say hello to everybody, and we'll, let's just jump in, and you've got a tremendously interesting life story that most people probably don't know about, so let's start Let's start there. Well, hi, everyone that's listening, and thank you for, uh, for your interest. Um, uh, Dylan asked me to kind of talk about a few things, and uh, in doing so, we stumbled across just my life story, which he thought I should share. Um, because like many of our students, I think half of our students uh, in the FEMBA program were foreign-born, um, I came to this country with my family as immigrants, um, perhaps differently than most of the people that, that, were, that came to this country. Um, my parents did not come here uh, for economic reasons as economic refugees. They came here, we came here as political refugees from a communist country. I was born in Havana and uh, came to this country when I was almost uh, seven years old. Uh, my parents, both my mother, my father, and my mother's brothers were very involved in both the Cuban, um, the revolution against Batista, the right-wing dictator in Cuba in the 50s, uh, and subsequently when Fidel Castro took over and uh, canceled elections and declared himself allied with the Soviet Union, they were involved in the revolution, the counter-revolution, if you will, against Castro, to the point where uh, my father was uh, arrested, uh, along with two uh, companions, uh, for operating a ham radio and communicating with um, people in the counter-revolutionary movement. And ultimately, he was scheduled, all three of them were scheduled to be executed. Um, my godfather, who was his best friend, uh, happened to be very involved in the communist regime and was able to intervene and save my father. The other two men were executed. Uh, one of 10,000 
people that uh, Castro and Che Guevara executed. And um, uh, we had to get out of Dodge immediately. So um, within two weeks, we were on a plane to Jamaica to um, uh, get out of, of communist Cuba and, and get our paperwork together to come to the U.S. And six, uh, a few months later, we were back in the U.S. and ended up on the first relocation, plane load of relocated refugees that came to the Los Angeles area in the early 60s. And, uh, and so that's how I ended up in the United States and then, of course, grew up in, in L.A. and California. Um, so that's my, my Cuban refugee story. That is, yeah. One of the honors of my job is to get to read people's essay, essays when they apply to FEMBA. And, and, yeah, people have been through incredible journeys. And you never know the people that you're sharing classrooms with here until you start to slow down and ask. I didn't know your story until a couple of years ago. And it is amazing. Um, you know, uh, one of the things is when you leave a communist country like Cuba, um, the government sends uh, people to inventory all your possessions in your home because you have to leave everything behind. You're not allowed to take anything with you. No money, no jewelry, no pictures, no wedding rings, no possessions of any kind, except three sets of clothes. So when my parents and I came to this country, only thing we had was a, a suitcase with three sets of clothes. And then they had to basically start all over again in their 40s, as many people do when they come here as immigrants. So when we talk about living the American dream, um, you know, they, they, they did all this to give me the opportunity to, to live in a free society uh, and, and get a good education. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think I took advantage of that opportunity they gave me to, to do just that. And my wife, the same. She, she also came here when she was six years old from Cuba under similar circumstances. Wow. Well... How does one go from being a seven-year-old with whose family has one suitcase to being a, an adjunct professor at UCLA? You know, I mean, what's the short version? I know you have a degree in law, you have a degree in taxation, you're you're a master of multiple fields, and you teach in all of those. Um, how how did you? When did you know you wanted to be a teacher? Well, you know, this is the power of education. You know, as I grew up, I eventually settled on becoming a lawyer, and that's what I actually did. Uh, teaching is a second career for me. So I went to law school, practiced law for uh, 12 years, had my own small boutique firm representing foreign companies, mostly Latin American companies, um, small to medium-sized Latin American companies that wanted to come to the U.S. to set up their businesses. Um, and, uh, and then in doing so, started teaching at UCLA part-time and just fell in love with teaching. And then eventually decided to make that a full-time career and along the way, got a master's in tax since I teach tax. So, I mean, the key to the, how do you get from the, the Cuban refugee with nothing to, to, to where I am today is uh, education. This all goes to show the power of education, whether it's an MBA or a law degree or, or anything at all, or a certificate or even a trade that you learn at a trade school. Um, education can be very empowering to change your life, and I, I think I'm living proof of that. Um, one of the things we wanted to tell our listeners that they may not know, so hopefully people realize we've we've educated over 2,000 Anderson students, mostly FEMBAs, but now full-time and executive also, through the, the one-week global immersions um, since 2007, 2008, when those were launched. Why don't we talk about kind of how the global immersions came to be in, in your role? Sure, because I, I think that's a real differentiator of our program recently at a 
Dean's Town Hall with Dean Olean, one of our students from the Bay Area, mentioned that that's the reason he chose to come to UCLA Anderson instead of staying at Berkeley, is the fact that we have so many opportunities to expand your your, your knowledge of, uh, of global management and global business. Uh, so if we back to 2007, when uh, Dean Carla Hain, who was the then senior associate dean of the program, and I became the associate dean, she and I took over both the fully employed and executive MBA programs. And at that time, the, there, the only thing that we had in FEMBA, there was nothing. There were no global immersions. There were no exchanges. The only global aspect of the education would be the GAP program, the Global Access Program, where many of the students did get to travel internationally to do their field research. So our predecessor had set up some exchange programs, one-week exchange programs in the EMBA program with two schools, London Business School and uh, SDA Bocconi in Italy. And I went to see our EMBA students at that time, and I asked them how many of them planned to participate in the exchange. Fifty-seven of them raised their hands. Well, we only had eight spots available. (laughs) So I saw, oh my goodness, we have a problem. There's a, there's a lot of people here that want a global experience, and we only have eight spots. So I quickly called up some contacts I had in Paris, and we added HEC, H-E-C the, uh, to, the, to the mix. And then we um, started exploring the idea of doing the global immersion in addition to the exchange. So we um, started talking about that, and... Uh, through contacts that I had in the Executive MBA Council, uh, we launched our first global program, and that was in um, December of 2008, where we took a group to Chile. I was the professor, and uh, took about 40 or 50 students there, and that was the first global immersion program um, just eight years ago. And it, it's it's well over 2,000 people have traveled to over 20 countries. Basically, now you know we're we're running. I call it an MBA within the MBA because in addition to the overarching FEMBA experience, you have this. It, 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 I mean, we have dedicated faculty, dedicated staff. It's a whole world organizationally that has to be maintained at a high level to have people have a high quality education and a safe learning environment that's you know worth their time and money. Well, not only that, we have amazing faculty, uh, many of whom have, um, uh, like me, a global um, background. Um, you know, you have Professor Sebastian Edwards, one of the leading economists and very well known in Chile, his native country, worked at the World Bank, uh, leading a group to South America on, on several occasions. You have Professor Sakakibara, a specialist in international strategy, who's originally from Japan and was had a very high-level position in the Japanese government. And she's leading a group to Tokyo. So over and over again, you've got uh, this great faculty, many of whom have backgrounds, or like me, are from the region, uh, that can provide a unique perspective, uh, both uh, educationally and culturally. And, you know, sometimes you're the invisible boss because you send me... There's one, I love the time when you sent me an email from Brazil. When you're on the Amazon, oh look, I have Wi-Fi. And I got this. I got one email. We were on a boat passing a village, <laughs> and the village had Wi-Fi, and so I took advantage of the opportunity. How many? How many of these global? Well, how many international trips do you think you've done in total? It's a lot. You're always somewhere. You're not it, even not in town. You're on a different continent half the time. Well, um, I, I sat down to try to add these up because I I have the um, the global immersions where I am the faculty members. So these are ones where 
I was the professor and taught the class, both the classes here at UCLA and took the group in country. Um, I also do an annual undergraduate program uh, in international business uh, regulation for our um, uh, business economics uh, majors and accounting minors uh, uh, in um, France, Spain, and a few uh, uh, nearby countries like um, the Netherlands or Belgium. Uh, and then I've also, as the Associate Dean of FEMBA, I accompany our students once or twice a year, usually two times a year, sometimes three, uh, as I think it's a great opportunity to get to know our students to go on these trips. So I added them all up. I've done six as a professor. I've done 12 with the undergraduate students, which is actually where I cut my teeth on how to put together an international program. Mm -hmm. I did it first in the, inter in the undergraduate program and then brought some of the lessons learned to the uh, MBA program. And then I've accompanied our students on another 12, and we're talking from places to like Brazil and South Africa and Saudi Arabia and the Czech Republic and Hungary and Israel and Jordan, um, et, et cetera, a total of 30. 30? Yeah, 30. Uh, <laughs> of those 30, 18 of them are trips that I've done personally with FEMBAs through our global immersions because we started with one or two a year. We now have eight, sometimes nine, dedicated global immersion programs each year. So that means every year you're here, you can choose from eight different countries. In addition to that, we have another six to seven, actually eight, because um, EMBA programs that we have partnerships with. We started the first ever in the world exchange programs for working professionals, where our students uh, can go to school with foreign students at a top foreign business school. So they might go to HEC in Paris, to Tel Aviv in Israel, to Waseda University in Tokyo, uh, to, um, well, any number of schools uh, th throughout the world, to the University of um, Melbourne in Australia, and participate in one of their one-week programs. And then their students will come here for one of our one-week block summer programs. So there's about eight of those a year plus another eight or nine global immersions. So every year you're here as a FEMBA, you have, in essence, 16 to 18 different options of where you can go in the world to, to learn about that region of the world, with men, oftentimes with our faculty, but sometimes with foreign school faculty. And I know you, you also alumni travel with our current students on these trips, and you then find alumni or seek out alumni. I know you've had some really kind of amazing, tell us a couple of these stories that I love to hear where, where you kind of serendipitously find great UCLA contacts in all these corners of the world. Well, we have alumni chapters all over the world. So any country we go to, there are alumni there. And I always reach out to the local alumni to make sure that some of the business visits that we do or the speakers that we hear from are either Anderson um, alums or UCLA alums themselves or have a strong UCLA-Anderson uh, connection. For example, I'm doing a, a program in Spain in, in a month, and um, I, I, um, I pulled a Harvard business case on a company, and that company actually did a field study project with us in Gap. And so I reached out to the CEO of that company, who's the subject of the Harvard business case, and she's in Boston, but she's going to be visiting her family in Barcelona that week. And boom, we have a speaker who is the CEO of the Harvard business case that we're going to be discussing. That's a UCA collection. Uh, another time we went to Brazil, 
to Sao Paulo. And while we and we reached out there to we found out that the a UCLA alum was the chairman of the largest private bank in Brazil, second only to the bank the government bank. Uh, and, and we we sent him an email and he was so excited to hear from us. He graduated 25 years ago from UCLA, hadn't really had much contact with the school since then, and he invited us to the corporate headquarters of this major bank, probably the most luxurious, posh corporate headquarters I've ever seen. Um, I mean, it had waterfalls and statues and tunnels that looked like something out of Star Wars. And and this, man, this gentleman uh, gave us a private reception up there, and did a whole presentation on the financial services and banking industry in Brazil from his first-hand knowledge and experience. And just to top off the, the uniqueness of the experience, the man was a paraplegic, so he was in a wheelchair, but could slightly move his fingers. So with that, he was able to, to personally manage the PowerPoint presentation. And it just just such an inspirational man, and, and, and of course had the, the UCLA background and then we had a speaker in another brazil program where um he now runs as the ceo and founder of the, um uh, the largest uh, sunglass retailer in brazil they now have stores here all over the united states as well um and he started in the sunglass business he he outsells uh ray-ban uh and and one of the other top uh, sunglass companies um uh combined in brazil uh, anyway, so how did he start? He was a UCLA student, and he went to um, Venice Beach mm. and saw the sunglasses they sell there for a few bucks, bought a bunch, took them back to Brazil, started selling them. Wow. And so he created this little mini empire from, you know, his experience here at UCLA. So, um, you know, and the stories repeat like that over and over again. We have just all sorts of inspirational alums. We go to, to Chile, to Santiago. And we have a speaker from Falabella. Now, most of you have not heard of Falabella. Most of the students that go on these trips have never done that. Well, Falabella is number two in South America after Walmart mm. in terms of retailers. They're mm. that big. It's a multi-billion dollar company. The CFO, UCLA Anderson grad. So, of course, he always makes a point to be able to come and do a presentation about the company, the retail industry in uh, South America and what has made their company so successful. And he usually does that at the hotel chain of South American hotels that the CEO of that hotel chain is also an Anderson grad. So the alumni connection throughout the world is really, really strong. So you're, you're always bringing, you're bringing current students with alumni in these, in these amazing evolving markets, you're really doing business in country. Um, but it's not it's not a hundred percent educational. There's always these cultural. So tell us a couple of cultural enrichment stories, if you will, because I hear some of the the before and after field trips are, are you know life changing in their own way. Well, I think part of the education of going to another country is 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 immersing yourself in the culture of that country and getting to know the people, and the music and the food, uh, and the and the and the major uh, historical or, tur or tourist sites. You know, so we might go to South Africa and do something like go to Robben Island uh, to see mm. where Nelson Mandela was uh, was jailed for all those uh, for all those years, uh, and then the next day we might go out to the wine country to uh, to sample some fine South African wines, um, and you know we've done all sorts of fun things uh, in these trips to mix the culture. You know, we go to the United Arab Emirates and 
you know, in the morning we'll be skiing in Ski Dubai inside a mall, you know, down a, you know, a, a, a two run, two, two uh, uh, bunny slopes, you know, and, 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 we, you, and you have a choice. You can ski or you can snowboard or you can just play in the snow. Um, and, and then in the afternoon, you know, we'll be cruising through the dunes of the deserts uh, outside of Dubai. Uh, and then have dinner at uh, at the uh, seven star uh, you know hotel the uh, the the Burj Al Arab uh, where you know have one of the finest meals I've ever had in my life with our students so we're always doing that um, when I took our group to France we did a two day cultural uh, trip to Normandy mm. to see some of the sites there from the World War II landing sites to Mont Saint Michel and. Um, at midnight, I took the students up to the ramparts of William the Conqueror's castle, where we smoked cigars and had calvados to drink. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, we do try to intersperse, have some fun, because to me, one of the more, um, the most special things about these trips, besides the education, which is the main focus and, and, and certainly um, uh, tremendous value for the students, uh, the network of getting to know the students there, but I also get to know the students. The students get to know each other because these trips are MBA students, FEMBA students from different sections in different years, executive MBA students, global executive MBA students, and some alumni. So it's an amazing opportunity to, to uh, expand the network, and I've seen tremendous friendships and even business partnerships and jobs happen across these different programs because the students get to know each other. Well, I think that, yeah, people do get connected. And your, whatever the, the draft is behind your energy force, it pulls people together. And um, this, was a, this was a personal question I had. How in God's name do you keep up with the email volume? Because I love it. You'll tell me, Dylan, this was a great weekend. I got from 750 down to zero. Because you, know, you, you, you travel, you get the waves come in, and then you, I don't know, do you like hide yourself in a room and catch up or well yeah you got to take advantage because i mean one of the difficult parts of this job is i'm you know constantly in contact with a lot of students and faculty and staff and and and, and, and external folks um but you know what there's nothing better than catching up on your emails in a 12-hour plane ride from china <laughs> so um i am obsessive when i get as long as it's not nighttime where i have to sleep I will work for 10 or 12 hours straight on a plane answering emails and then press send when I get to the airport in the other side and I've gone through 750 emails just like that. Well, so, when I was in when I was in my ROTC training in college, you know, there's the military expression, leaders lead from the front. And I love Dean Olean says, you know, I answer all my emails. There's no nobody she, answers. Which she does. That's amazing to me. And I think the accessibility of the faculty here, I hear that from alumni in terms of appreciation for, you know, what made Anderson so special? I hear that again and again. It's not graduate school. You really do get to know the faculty. How many alumni do you think you interact with per year? Because it's got to be a ton. You're, you're always advising companies and startups. Well, you know, I'm helping secure uh, field study projects for across our field study program. So I'm, you know, literally talking to dozens of alumni regarding that. Um, we host other executive MBA groups here that come on global immersions here to UCLA. And I run a few of those, and so we'll, we're doing business visits to SpaceX or Amgen or Disney or Google uh, locally here. And obviously, it's because of our alums there, because we have really high-level alums at all these places. You know, the CEO of Hulu is a Femba. So, you know, getting, yes, getting a visit there is, uh, it, you know, uh, is it, extra special. Um, 
And uh, and then of course, because I help a lot of our, I help a lot of the students that form their own businesses here. We have the business creation option, which is an alternative to the global access program, so they can start their own business. And because I teach tax and law, and particularly tax and laws that relates to entrepreneurs and startup companies, um, you know, basically I have my own little you know free law firm here because I'm continually providing help to students and even helping them, you know, launch their companies, get their corporations set up, giving them tax advice, making sure that they they get their their ducks in a row on on that front when they go to start their business or helping them protect their intellectual property, not only locally, but around the world, because I teach about that. I talk about that at Thumbapalooza in Learning in the Law, and it's like when you go internationally, how do you protect your IP? Wow. Well, in the, um, in the interest of we don't want to give away the store, you gotta, you got to take a class with this gentleman. You will be glad you did. Um, and whether you actually are taught in the classroom locally or abroad by Professor Fracius, you will definitely be the downstream recipient of his leadership because he's architected many of the fundamental value pillars of the FEMBA program. And um, so we all we are all um, beneficiaries of America receiving you. And I want to thank you. A special shout out to the Flex students because one of the things I've been able to do that uh, in my tax class, uh, I now teach it in a Flex format for all students. Anybody can take the class. It's my tax elective. And the flex format has allowed me to do something kind of special where the last third of the class, um, oh, I, I provide that. three custom tracks. So the students, after learning about normal individual investor and business entity taxation, they can then pick their own track and do dedicated videos, assignments, research papers, and even final exam questions in that specialized track. And uh, I have estate planning, I have real estate taxation, and then, of course, international taxation. Uh, and so it gets us back again to the global um, theme here. And so that's been kind of fun to, to, to take Flex as a format and figure out how can I make this a better experience um, because Flex has allowed us to expand our reach even internationally. Well, in the spirit of that, in the spirit of bonus, so you've created now with the Flex technology, you've created a build-your-own ending to your course where people can customize in the three tracks. Let's give our listeners some bonus. We were only going to focus on international, but you also were on the team that, that helped deliver Flex as a, as a teaching pedagogy that was new and bold that we've received tremendous accolades for. So for this is bonus for you podcasters today. You want to just take people a little bit through kind of the observation of how well, sure. In, in all, um, yeah, and in all honesty, you know, Dean Carlahane was really the person that spearheaded the the flex format. We we all saw that uh, education and and the delivery of education was changing, and and very few, if any, top schools were actually moving to a hybrid format. So we saw that that was a way that, that the FEMBA students, uh, one of the things that they prize the most in, a, in an MBA education is flexibility. And that's why we have, you know, the Tuesday, Thursday uh, sections and we have the all day Saturday sections. So how could we provide um, a, a program that would help the, the busy executive that travels a lot and couldn't be here for any of those schedules? How could we attract students from other states, even other countries? And that's where Flex came into being. So we brought in George Ingersoll, our director of hybrid programs, himself an associate dean, and uh, he helped put together this uh, wonderful program. Uh, and uh, and it's just been a great success at Anderson. 
uh, just did a three-year study about a year ago and found that flex students have the same or higher satisfaction rate and the same or higher performance in classes uh, as uh, regular life students. So in essence, it's just a different way to, to get the education, but it's just as good and in some cases can be even better. Well, I love it. That's a little bonus. We could probably do an entire session on, on you know, kind of evolving patterns of teaching because you're, you're on the front lines with that. It was, it was the faculty like you that worked with Professor Hain that had Flex really come into a reality and, and to hit the marks where, where the education and the satisfaction both. So for all of you listening, um, we hope we're going to see you uh, this summer for Femba Palooza. If we do see you, then you're going to get to hear Professor Fracious live and in person. You can grab a beer, a glass of wine, get a hot dog or a hamburger and, and wander over to Learning on the Lawn and, and listen to his his session on taking your business internationally. And um, if you miss that, then make sure you take one of his electives or travel around the world with him while you're here. But um, get involved, get in FEMBA Council because he's always with the leaders of the program, listening, adjusting, adapting, growing, taking this place forward. And so thank you so much. It's a pleasure to get to work on your team and Hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned next week, and thank you very much, Gonzalo. All right. Well, thanks for the opportunity. It was really fun to talk about um, the the birth of our global programs and sort of my own connection to that, uh, you know, uh, having uh, come from another country. So thanks, and I uh, hope to see all of you very, 